O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, July 3rd. Shabbat Shalom. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Pinchas. Numbers 29.21-29.40 Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the fourth day of the festival, sacrifice ten young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the fifth day of the festival, sacrifice nine young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the sixth day of the festival, Sacrifice eight young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. 
On the seventh day of the festival, sacrifice seven young bulls, two rams, and 14 one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the eighth day of the festival, proclaim another holy day. You must do no ordinary work on that day. You must present a burnt offering as a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of one young bull, one ram, and seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. You must present these offerings to the Lord at your annual festivals. These are in addition to the sacrifices and offerings you present in connection with vows or as voluntary offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, liquid offerings, or peace offerings. So Moses gave all these instructions to the people of Israel as the Lord had commanded him. Second Kings twenty two three to twenty three thirty. In the eighteenth year of his reign, King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, Go to Hilkiah the high priest and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple, and trust this money to the men assigned to supervise the temple's restoration. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple of the Lord. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons. Also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple. But don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, I have found the book of the Torah in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was in the book of the Torah, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the court secretary, and Asiah the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us, because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult 
with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what Yahweh says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek the Lord, and tell him, This is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says Yahweh. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring upon this city. So they took her message back to the king. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey Yahweh by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then the king instructed Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second rank and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the articles that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. The king had all these burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley, and he carried the ashes away to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah, for they had offered sacrifices at the pagan shrines throughout Judah and even in the vicinity of Jerusalem. They had also offered sacrifices to Baal and to the sun, the moon, the constellations, and to all the powers of the heavens. The king removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple and took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley where he burned it. Then he ground the ashes of the pole to dust and threw the dust over the graves of the people. He also tore down the living quarters of the male and female shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord, where the women wove coverings for the Asherah pole. Josiah brought to Jerusalem all the priests who were living in other towns of Judah. He also defiled the pagan shrines where they had offered sacrifices, all the way from Geba to Beersheba. He destroyed the shrines at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of Jerusalem. 
This gate was located to the left of the city gate as one enters the city. The priests who had served at the pagan shrines were not allowed to serve at the Lord's altar in Jerusalem, but they were allowed to eat unleavened bread with the other priests. Then the king defiled the altar of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire as an offering to Molech. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statues that the former kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were near the quarters of Nathan Melech, the eunuch, an officer of the court. The king also burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. Josiah tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtoreth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians, and for Chemish, the detestable god of the Moabites, and for Molech, the vile god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Then he desecrated these places by scattering human bones over them. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had made when he caused Israel to sin. He burned down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. Then Josiah turned around and noticed several tombs in the side of the hill. He ordered that the bones be brought out, and he burned them on the altar at Bethel to desecrate it. This happened just as the Lord had promised through the men of God when Jeroboam stood beside the altar at the festival. Then Josiah turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted these things. What is that monument over there? Josiah asked. And the people of the town told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very things that you have just done to the altar at Bethel. Josiah replied, Leave it alone, don't disturb his bones. So they did not burn his bones or those of the old prophet from Samaria. Then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. They had been built by the various kings of Israel and had made the Lord very angry. He executed the priests of the pagan shrines on their own altars, and he burned human bones on the altars to desecrate them. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as required in this book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. This Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem in the eighteenth year of King Josiah's reign. 
Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice. Both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah, he did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. Even so, the Lord was very angry with Judah because of all the wicked things Manasseh had done to provoke him. For the Lord said, I will also banish Judah from my presence, just as I have banished Israel. And I will reject my chosen city of Jerusalem and the temple where my name was to be honored. The rest of the events in Josiah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. While Josiah was king, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to the Euphrates River to help the king of Assyria. King Josiah and his army marched out to fight him, but King Necho killed him when they met at Megiddo. Josiah's officers took his body back in a chariot from Megiddo to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land anointed Josiah's son Jehoahaz and made him the next king. Acts 21, 37-22-16 As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? the commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied. I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia which is an important city. Please, let me talk to these people. The commander agreed, so Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon, a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Yeshua the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. 
I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the Torah, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Psalm 1, 1-6 Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the Torah of Yahweh, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Proverbs 18, 11, and 12 The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. I'm going to depart from my usual pattern of pulling some of the scriptures that we read in the reading and commenting on them. And instead, I'm going to share an article with you that comes from thetorahouse.com. It is the prayer theme of the month, an article uh, for the month of July of 2021. And the article is titled, What Should We Be Looking For When Yeshua Returns? So if you want to read this article, there's really great pictures that go with it. Go to thetorahouse.com and then click on Prayer Themes of the Month, and then click on the July Prayer Theme for the Month to see the article in its entirety. This article is written by Hildegard, and it's a very, very well-written article, very meaty and full of scripture, and uh, I'm just going to read it. In Luke 21, the disciples asked Yeshua about the signs of the end times and the end of the age. Luke 21, 7. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? He then answers their question and tells them of many different signs. In Luke 21, 25 and 26, it is written, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Yeshua also refers to the words of the prophet Joel in Joel two thirty and 31. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, 
blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. But then he tells them of the sign to be looking for. What is the sign? Luke twenty-one twenty-seven. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. In this article, we will look at the cloud by day and pillar of fire by night described in the Hebrew Scriptures or Old Testament. We will also look at the appearing of Yeshua in clouds of glory described in the Brit Hadashah, or New Testament. Are they connected and related to each other? Acts 2.20 also speaks of this great day. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and notable day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a notable day. In some versions, it is translated as an awesome day. The word notable in Greek is epiphanies. Epiphanies means the unexpected, the appearance of a deity, manifest, illustrious. Yeshua continues in his end-time discourse in Matthew 24.30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. What will be the sign of the Son of Man that will appear then? The Son of Man will come on the clouds of heaven. Yeshua uses Exodus talk here. The Greek word for clouds is nepheli, Strong's 3507, and this is what it means. Used of the cloud which led the Israelites in the wilderness. It is directly related to the pillar of cloud described in Exodus 13, 21 and 22, where it is written, And Yahovah went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Psalm 105.39, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. Riding on a cloud is a deeply messianic symbol associated with the Messiah. It is a heavenly veil of his divine presence, his chariot and his hidden place of strength. Deuteronomy 33.26, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you, and in his excellency on the clouds. Jeshurun is the name of honor for Jacob, Israel. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name Yah, and rejoice before him. Psalm 68.4 The pillar of clouds seen and followed during the Exodus was a visible sign of the manifest presence of Yeshua, the Son of Man. The pillar of cloud guided the children of Israel through the wilderness. Exodus 14.19 And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. In Hebrew, the word angel is malach. The angel, the malach, split into two. And so did the pillar of cloud. The angel of Elohim was in 
the pillar of cloud. The pillar of cloud and he were one, as it is written in Exodus 14, 20, 20 and 21. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahovah caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The angel of the Lord, the Malach, was also present in the cloud on Mount Sinai, as it is written in Exodus 19.16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. When they were building the tabernacle, Yahovah promised them that he would appear in the cloud over the covering of the ark. Leviticus 16.2 And Yahovah said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. For many years the people of Israel would watch Moses go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. The Israelites would stand up and go to the entrance of their tent. They watched the pillar of cloud come down and stop at the entrance of the tent of meeting as Yahovah or Yeshua talked with Moses. As it is written in Exodus 33, 7 and 8, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought Yahovah went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. At the dedication of the temple of the, the temple with Solomon, the cloud filled the house, so that the priests could not do their service because of the cloud, for the glory of Yahweh filled the house of Yahweh. 1 Kings eight ten and 11 And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of Yahovah, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory, the Shekinah of Yahovah, filled the house of Yahovah. In summary, it can be said that the divine presence of Yahovah or Yeshua was in the clouds, and this was an integral part of the experience that Israelites had in their encounters with the God of Israel. The announcement that Yeshua's will return in a cloud is spoken of in Luke 21, 25, and 27. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This reference to Yeshua returning in a cloud, Nepheli, 
is the same cloud that led the children of Israel in the wilderness. It is the language of the Torah, and it is nothing new. Daniel reports this in Daniel seven thirteen and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. If we link the statements in the New Testament, or the Brit Hadashah, with the original Hebrew context, we gain a broader and deeper understanding. In this case, we see the cloud in which Yeshua returns is the seat of his divine presence. It is also called his Shekinah, or his glory. The word is derived from the Aramaic word Shekan, to rest. When we now hear the promise that the Son of Man will come on the clouds of heaven, then we know about the divine sign of his Shekinah and the symbolic meaning throughout biblical history. Where it is written in Matthew 24:30, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So here are some prayer targets to go along with this article. Abba, please open our eyes more and more to understand the Hebrew foundation on which we stand. Abba, dear Father, help us to live in accordance with the guidelines of the Torah by the power of your indwelling Holy Spirit. Abba, dear Father, please open the eyes of our heart and our spirit to hope in the soon return of Yeshua. May we truly understand that he will be coming in a cloud of glory. Abba, dear Father, please gather your remnant believers to come together so that we also will follow the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, even as the children of Israel did when they left Egypt. May we see that day come soon. Abba, dear Father, make us ready for that day. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. 
Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.